0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martoreno. We're here on Saturdays every week at this time, and we're talking about the disease of addiction. Substance abuse is an enormous problem in this country right now, and tragically, it's um, it's not getting any smaller of a problem as we sit here. You know... People join all kinds of uh, nonprofit or for-profit organizations because for whatever reason, they may have a personal incentive to do that. I mean, Lord knows if you've had someone in your family or if you're a cancer su- survivor, you're, you're probably understandably inclined to join some group or organization that's dedicated to looking for a cure for that disease. That certainly ought to be the case with the substance abuse epidemic that we are seeing in this country right now. And that is clearly what we're facing, an epidemic. You, you don't, and it's perhaps even risky to wait until this disease visits you or someone you know to get involved. The program today is dedicated to that sort of notion, joining the fight uh, at the earliest possible moment, because uh, we got a big battle on our hands with substance abuse in this country. Recovery Radio is sponsored by Retreat, premier addiction treatment centers, about which more later. To this, uh, to this uh, theme today, we, we're going to turn to an organization that um, fairly well describes what I just uh, talked about. Facing Addictions, the name of the organization. They are a national nonprofit group, and they are dedicated to finding solutions to the problem of substance abuse. To find out how they're going about that and their history, we have invited Michael King to join us on the program today. Michael is with FacingAddictions.org. He is their director of outreach, and we welcome him to Recovery Radio. Michael, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for having me, Steve. It's good to be here.
0: So before we get into the nitty-gritty of who you are and, and what, what how the group is constituted, did I get that right about joining the fight?
1: Absolutely. No, I think that's exactly right. And, and there's opportunities and, you know, it, it, it's very, it's very necessary that more and more individuals, you know, step up because th- that's the only way that we're going to uh, create better public policy and, and do something to really help to solve this problem. is, is through individuals that are, are probably listening. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, so tell
0: us about Michael, Michael King, and then uh, how, how you come to work for Facing Addiction.
1: So I'm a person in long-term recovery, uh, which for me means I haven't had a drink, a drug, or placed a bet since February 16th of 2013. And prior to finding recovery, I actually had a career as a uh, political operative, political organizer working on campaigns all across the country. And uh, so when I I lost that career uh, as a result of things that I engaged in in active addiction, as so many of us have when we're still out there. We tend to engage in activities that we don't engage in otherwise. And after I got sober, and I'd been sober for almost two years, a little, around two years at the, at the point, I, I was just busing tables in, re- in a restaurant working to kind of rebuild my life. And I had been sort of brainstorming and thinking about how I, I wanted to find some way to merge my professional background for which I had a tremendous amount of passion with uh, my personal fa- passion for recovery with my newfound passion for recovery and the the beautiful new way of life that recovery has offered uh, myself and, and over 23 million other Americans and lo and behold I stumbled across a film called the anonymous people uh, which was made by someone many of you have probably seen it uh, it was made by a young man named Greg Williams who I got in touch with and it just so happened that greg uh, and a couple other folks were in the earliest stages of planning the launch event for a new organization called facing addiction so it just so happened that uh, these things lined up perfectly the stars lined up and i i came on board uh, in may of 2015 To help build the big launch event for Facing Addiction, which was the Unite to Face Addiction concert in Washington, D.C., that really launched Facing Addiction. And just so you know, too, we we are now officially facing addiction with NCADD, as in January of 2018, we merged with the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, or NCADD, to become one organization, which sort of, uh, we like to joke, sort of makes us both the newest and oldest national organization in the field, as NCADD has been around now for over 70 years and was really the first organization founded by Marty Mann engaging in advocacy around these issues. So we're very happy and proud to be working now as one organization facing addiction with NTADD as we kind of trudge forward in this fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and
0: um, it, it is passingly uh, sad that, you know, we are still at a point in time as a, as a society where I, in my opinion anyway there is more to be done immediately with regard to things like awareness, the size of the problem um, and the dangers it presents. I mean, we all know of the murderous toll substance abuse is taking just in the loss of human lives. But for people who might be listening now going, well, boy, have I been blessed. It's not affected me. It really has affected people, even if they, they don't have an active addict in their lives or they're not addicted. What are some of the ways that substance abuse affects the broader population
1: well you know the statistics say steve that one in three families is directly impacted so that's one in three that we know are directly impacted by this issue but i couldn't agree with you more with your assessment that really everybody's affected frankly if you pay your taxes Mm -hmm. you're directly affected by this issue because historically uh we've really misappropriated funding when it comes to addressing issues this this statistic is a few years old, so it might, it might have changed a little bit in the last few years, but as of about five, six years ago, 98% of the money that the federal government spent when it came to addiction focused on cleaning up the mess that addiction creates. Only 2% was spent on prevention, education, treatment, and recovery support services. 2% out of 100%. And that's your tax dollars. Uh, it costs far more money to try to incarcerate our way out of this problem and treat it as a criminal justice issue than it does to treat it as a health care issue, which is really what this issue is. And, and one of our you know, long-term goals, and I think the goals of this whole movement, is to really move this issue out of the criminal justice silo, which is not where it belongs. No other health issue is treated like a crime in the same way that addiction is. And move it into the healthcare arena, because that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a healthcare problem. I actually, uh, at at that launch event I mentioned before in October 2015, I struck up a conversation with a law enforcement officer from Maryland, and I'll never forget this conversation, because I'd asked him, so what brought you here today to this event? And he'd said, I'm tired of locking people up for a healthcare problem. He put it that plainly, and it just floored me, because it made me realize, man, law enforcement, who... You know, many of us, we think of the war on drugs. We don't really think of law enforcement as a potential ally in this fight. But that sentiment in, in, in a lot of places is really changing. Um, and that's really you know, at the crux of what we're all trying to do here. We need to start, if we talk about it like a health care issue, we need to treat it like a health care issue. And that's the silo that this really belongs in.
0: Yeah, I, I've told people uh, and, and spoken to people on the program in in uh, law enforcement who who have said exactly exactly that the nature of their jobs have changed they they are because they're down there in the trenches know that they cannot uh arrest their way out of the problem you cannot lock this problem up put it in jail absolutely and that um at this point because of people dying from overdoses they are often the first line of actually saving lives um through through the use of stuff like like Narcan, so it, it, so this disease that is as I uh, characterize as an epidemic, and that's no overstatement, has this profound impact on the on the community um, in in general in ways both direct, as you say, and uh, and indirect. Are you uh, in in the, in the years that you've been involved now in in, uh, in this effort? Are you uh, encouraged by how much more awareness there is in the general population about this?
1: Uh, encouraged. Yes. You know, I, I think that, um, yeah, we, we, you are seeing, I mean, there's no doubt that more and more people do recognize the fact that this is a public health issue and that the solutions for this issue likely belong in the public self in the public health area. So yes, encouraged. Yes. And encouraged by the fact that, It's no longer really taboo for our elected leaders to talk about this issue. You know, in 2016, a member of the United States Senate was reelected largely due to his tremendous work on this issue. A a Republican senator in Ohio was Rob Portman, who's Mm -hmm. been a tremendous ally for us on this issue, was really reelected talking about this issue And and running ads on television talking about addiction without images of people being locked up. That's progress. There's no doubt that progress has been made. Yeah, a, However, yep. we're certainly not to the we're certainly not to the promised land yet. Yeah. I, I like to I always tell folks I think we're sort of at the stage where it's now okay to talk about this as a health care issue. Now we need to translate that talk into more action. And and just as an example, you know, right now there's legislation that was sent by the House of Representatives over to the Senate, a, a major comprehensive package with all kinds of different components to it and the Senate may not be taking it up, and we've been trying to apply grassroots pressure on leadership in the U.S. Senate to get them to take this up. You know, politics don't matter here. Addiction, there is no other issue out there that cares less what an individual's party affiliation is. This is affecting everybody. Republicans, Democrats, young, old, urban, rural, it doesn't matter. This is an issue, no issue, I would argue, discriminates less than this one. And, you know, this is why... Yes, I'm encouraged, but we need to continue to mobilize as a community in order to push for faster and more efficient action.
0: Michael King is our guest. Michael is the director of outreach for the organization Facing Addiction. Uh, they, they are uh, on the ground and on the front lines of helping the public um, understand the problem of substance abuse and more, more importantly, uh, get involved to do something about it. Because it's a crisis, for sure. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martoreno with you. Our guest on the telephone from the organization Facing Addiction is Director of Outreach, Michael King. And he's with us to uh, remind people uh, that his organization, among many other organizations, are out there to not only raise the alarm over substance abuse in this country, but uh, to give people some uh, positive paths to follow. Um so that they get involved in this fight. Uh, Michael, before we get into some of the uh, details of what facing addiction uh, trying to accomplish with regard to solutions to the problem, the statistics, you, you gave some startling statistics earlier, but the one that, that always, I think, certainly strikes me is that of the millions of people who uh, suffer from substance abuse in one form or another, a very, very small amount uh, even get treatment.
1: What What is that number? it's actually 9 out of 10 in need of treatment do not receive it 9 out of 10 and there's a lot of different reasons for that and you know one of the top ones is simply the stigma is stigma that that continues to shroud this issue people who you know are in a place where they want to reach out for help they they don't want to reveal that you know they're having this problem because of the societal judgment that continues to you know continues to permeate this and i think sometimes we can feel that Maybe that stigma has gone away, but then we hear that uh, a new TV show had had uh you know recently uh, decided to name itself american junkie <laughs> you know mm-hmm. junkie is a horribly stigmatizing term, and thankfully, because of all of people out there because of people mobilizing, we ran a very quick campaign against this uh this name and, and sent letters to the production team at the television network when this was being produced and said, we really, we appreciate you uh, wanting to do something to address this problem, but you need to change this name. This, this type of language is horribly stigmatizing and they are now changing their name. Yeah, you so don't, don't I, you know, for folks listening out there who want to join this fight, don't ever doubt that your voice and your um, dedication can change stuff. This was over the course of about three or four days that we ran this effort, and we put on so much pressure that they opted to change the name. Yeah,
0: take a moment here. It may be a little off the path here now, but this is a great point, and we've uh, touched upon it in the past here on the program, and, th- and that is the, this notion of the stigma attached to this disease. Um, it's amazing to think that there is still a stigma attached to the disease. It manifests itself in many different ways, but when people... And you know that this is the case. When people hear someone like you or others like you in your organization say, "you know, junkie," the word "junkie" is a, a stigmatizing and negative term, and should be and should be eliminated and never used. They, what comes up for them very often is, "uh oh, political correctness." That's political, yeah, right?
1: Right. Well, you know, I think it's all about how we define that term. You know, I mean, obviously. I I, I won't get into a debate over the merits of political correctness or not, because I'm sure uh, we all have our own personal views on that. But, you know, look, we would never, you know, there are a ton of derogatory terms out there that describe different mental health conditions, legitimate medical mental health conditions, derogatory awful terms that you would never see a show, for example, use. You would never see a show uh, use any of those terms in their title. So I think it's all about shifting public perception to understand that a term like junkie belongs in the same category, Mm -hmm. right? So I I, I don't know if it's as much about political correctness as much as about reshaping and reframing the way we look at those words. Because we simply just, in our minds, we don't put that word in that same category. But there was a time where, you know, there, there were certain words used to describe individuals ethnicity that didn't belong in that that didn't weren't seen as being in that type of category. And over time we came to realize that they were derogatory and they did belong there. So that's the direction that I think that we're going to be, uh, we're going to be. Heading. Yeah.
0: And, and the truth of the matter is, if you if you think about it long enough is that the words we use have um, significance. If you change the words you use over a long haul, you'll change the way you think uh, about certain situations. So I only, Absolutely. Ra- I only erase it because, I certainly have heard people go, oh, good, you don't want to call them what they are. Well, you know, okay, you think that's what they are, but they're much more than that. And I know that this notion of humanizing the disease of addiction is central to what your organization is all about, correct?
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I some, we, we use the word stigma a lot, and I've used it several times in this conversation already. The truth is, a friend of mine said once that he thought that, uh, you know, the term stigma had become somewhat stigmatized, which unfortunately I think is often the case. But, you know, I think that um, what you do see is we need to put a human face on this thing. We need to break the uh, preset notions, the preconceived notions of what someone who's suffering from active addiction looks like. You know, we still, a lot of people still, when they think of someone suffering from an alcohol use disorder, Still have an image of an individual who's homeless drinking out of a paper bag under a bridge, as others have described before. I'm in recovery from an alcohol from an alcohol use disorder. I'm a male, white American male in my late 30s who's college educated. I'm no less the face of addiction in this country than anybody else. And and we need to put that human face on this thing. We need to understand that. This can impact uh, anyone. Mm-hmm. This can impact anyone. It doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, what our families have done. It, none of that matters. Well,
0: well, and we we mentioned this in the first uh, in the first segment here. If people want to know who the substance abusers are in in their lives, you know, they're the people that you know live down the block. They're in the cubicle next to you at work, or um, you know, they're they're your neighbors and your friends, and obviously in many cases they're your Family as well, so it's important to uh, change the language we use so that we can uh, get on with changing our attitudes about some of these things. Uh, what? Uh, well, we're gonna we're backing up against here uh, a, a little break here now, but when we come back, uh, maybe you can get specific about what the director of outreach does in that context, and then we can talk about some of the the specific. Uh, initiatives that uh, Facing Addiction is undertaking. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. I'm Steve Mortarano. We're here every week. We talk about the disease of addiction um, in general. You're probably aware of that, but uh, are you aware that, um, as we said at the outset of the program, the little secret here that needs to be talked about more is that millions and millions of people are, in fact, living in long-term successful sobriety. So as grim as the story can sometimes see, people do find their way out. To that end, uh, Recovery Radio is sponsored by Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. And that, that's exactly what they are. Don't take my word for it. If you did any kind of a, a due diligence on substance abuse treatment centers, you will find out that they have a world-class organization and reputation to uh, to boot. But they don't sponsor this program to sell you the fact that they're the only people that can help you. They've helped lots and lots of people. If they can help you, they certainly will. But when I give you the phone number... It's purely as an informational tool. On your refrigerator at home on a little magnet, magnet, you may have police and fire and maybe poison control, and those numbers are up there, and you hope you never have to use them. But in a crunch, they, they could be important. I give you the phone number for retreat for exactly the same purposes, and I hope you never have to use it. But at a moment of extreme um, problems, great pressures, when this disease hits, uh, lots of people don't know where to turn. This is a good spot. Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers 855-859-8808. They'll answer any question you have about this. Any question you have about the disease of addiction and the treatment that's available. 855-859-8808. Michael King is with the Group Facing Addiction. They are dedicated to finding solutions at a at a grassroots level and mobilizing the society in general to uh to get behind this effort to do something about substance abuse in this country, which is, this is, and I'm old enough to remember a couple of uh, past situations where we thought the world was coming to an end. This is far and away the biggest crisis this country has faced with regard to substance abuse. So um, this notion of beginning, you know, on the ground at a grassroots level is is absolutely, I mean, it's great to have, politicians finally getting on board they're the ones that are going to allocate money that's necessary and maybe change laws as well but that wouldn't be an we wouldn't even get to that if we didn't have a grassroots level go uh, uh, effort going on right
1: oh i don't think so i mean at the end of the day as, as i mentioned at the onset here you know i spent a career working in the political arena and, and at the end of the day you know and this isn't this is just a fact of life i it's certainly not intended to be a a a, a criticism of our our elected friends but you know, elected leaders will listen to organized constituencies more than angry individuals, right? So, well, we only we, we only we con-
0: only call them leaders,
1: right? <laughs> well, those we elect to serve in high office. We'll put it that way. Right? <laughs> Much better. And and you know, no, but in all seriousness, you know, we, I would argue that you know, because of that stigma, one of the other kind of biggest roadblocks we've seen historically is kind of that lack of a truly organized constituency. And, and by, by organized constituency, and this is really where, where Facing Addiction with NCADD's work comes together, is we need to unite the different constituencies that exist under the addiction umbrella. And that's really what Facing Addiction's primary mission is, to take individuals in recovery, like myself, families that have been directly impacted, too many of whom have suffered the ultimate loss and lost a loved one from this. Prevention professionals, folks who work on the front lines of this every day, public health individuals, criminal justice reform advocates, faith leaders, labor leaders, business leaders. We need to all of these different constituencies are impacted by addiction. What we're trying to do is to bring everybody under one-tenth in order to solve this problem uh, collectively or cumulatively as one uh, organized constituency and that's how we built our launch event several years ago was by conducting outreach to all of these different communities and that's what we continue to do today uh when, when we engage uh in developing partnerships and whatnot we are looking to unite everybody who is uh who is impacted by who is impacted by this issue
0: Michael, as I look at uh, Facing Addiction's website, I, I, I see your, uh, your your action item list uh, under the, the agenda that Facing Addiction, uh, their action plan, in fact. We've talked uh, a great deal about humanizing uh, this disease. Uh, we've talked about, you know, the suffering from it being a medical condition and not a criminal one. Uh, I know you're also uh, you have a couple more uh, items here that you move you want to move on very uh, rapidly. Uh, the first one is uh, an expansion of prevention screening and in early intervention programs. What works being done in that regard?
1: Well, so one one thing that we kind of have discovered over the last several years as we've worked with our partners in the prevention arena. Is you know one of the biggest I think roadblocks to uh, expanding uh, evidence based prevention practices in public school settings and in other settings, it really has been that a lot, it has not been an issue that I think the grassroots has really taken hold of like it has certain other issues. So what we actually did is we developed a a guide so that individuals or organizations who want to try to rally public support for these programs should their communities not already have them, can organize forums and start generating community discussions around the issue. So we actually worked with a series of our partners from the prevention arena, and a lot of our 80-plus affiliate organizations who are directly connected with us uh, focus specifically on prevention work, and we actually developed this guide in order to um, get individuals to start rallying communities and to start uh, increasing public support and understanding of, of this issue and to understand that evidence-based prevention practices are some of the most effective tools we have in our arsenal in order to try to uh, diminish the the toll that this is taking on our communities. Because at the end of the day, you know, we've got to obviously provide more support to those suffering. We've got to provide support to individuals who are in recovery so they can help maintain that recovery. But, you know, at the core of this, we also have to prevent more people from suffering in the future, and there are ways we can do that. The Surgeon General's report that came out in uh, November 2016, which we, we were the exclusive nonprofit partner on the release of this report, it's called facing addiction in America goes into great detail on different evidence-based prevention practices that we know have proven degrees of efficacy in in communities around the country and on a wide range of demographics as well, of age demographics. So, uh, you know, I I think the number one thing we need to do is to increase public awareness of just how critical and how effective these programs are.
0: um, That uh, study you just cited, um, is that's available for people to see on your yep. web
1: oh, if you if you google surgeon general's report addiction or facing addiction in america it'll take you right to it and it's a wonderful report it's really it, it was a landmark report when it came to addiction the facing addict uh, the surgeon general's report on alcohol drugs and health i mean it, it was compared to it's been compared to uh the report that came out on tobacco in the mid-60s you know mm-hmm. and and it a establishes beyond a doubt that when it comes to substance use disorders, what we are dealing with here is a public health issue, it belongs in the healthcare arena, and it goes into great detail on um, solutions, on different programs that we know have proven effectiveness, on the science, but it does so in a way that at least I, I will say I, as a non-medical expert, as a non-scientist, that I found very easy to read and follow. One of the other items
0: you talk about on your uh, action item list is promoting multiple pathways of recovery. What, what, are, what are a couple of, of those pathways?
1: Well, we uh, this is actually another uh, another area where we actually released a guide uh, in May of this year that's available on our website on facingaddiction.org under resources. And, you know, at the end of the day, 23 million Americans live in long-term recovery. Not all of them got there the same way. It's just that simple. There are many different ways for individuals to find recovery. Some folks, such as myself, my recovery involved uh, inpatient treatment, outpatient treatment, and ongoing participation in and membership in a 12-step fellowship. That's been my recovery. My recovery has been 12-step based. For others, they've been involved in other, other fellowships, smart recovery, women for sobriety, life Ring, There are numerous different programs where individuals can participate. Some folks uh, engage in a faith-based recovery program, others in completely secular uh, recovery. More uh, and more and more have found incredible amounts of effectiveness through medically assisted recovery programs, um, especially for folks coming off of opioids. Those have proven to be some of the most successful. The point being, both for individuals as well as the family. Because the family is part of this equation too. The family suffers right there with the loved one who's going through active addiction. There are many, many different ways for people to find recovery. And we wanted to create this resource, this guide, so that they could see flat out that there are, they, we wanted to spell out what their options were. If they were uh, looking for help, where could they go? What were their choices? So that's available on our website for anybody who's looking for help.
0: Well, well, I've been doing this for, for over five years now and uh, it's it strikes me as one of the most important things that an organization like yours or any other organization can do is just what you described, to once and for all let people know that there's not just one thing or one way uh, to fight this thing if, if, if it's uh, active in your life. I mean, it is a process and as you... Uh, correctly point out there are a whole lot of ways uh, nothing could be truer than when it comes to getting sober whatever works works so finally here on this item here Absolutely. before we take another break michael um when you talk about mainstreaming uh, addiction health services uh, first of all what do you mean and two th- that's not being done right now
1: well oftentimes uh health uh, healthcare, uh does not treat addiction in the same way that it treats other other uh health issues it's it's treated differently and one of the primary reasons for that and this is something that we've also been engaging on for some time is we need to do a a better job educating our future medical leaders those currently studying medicine in medical school how to identify prevent and treat those suffering from a substance use disorder uh it is there is a tremendous lack of focus on addiction in medical schools, despite the fact that, you know, this is arguably the biggest public health issue that we are facing as a country right now. So we actually crafted some thoughts for medical schools through a a working group of medical professionals that we had convened for for nearly two years. And we uh, are working right now as we speak on getting this into the hands of the American Medical Association and uh, ideally, we want to see, you know, a, a more standardized set uh, curriculum in medical schools so that future doctors, we can be guaranteed that they are going to be properly educated on how to uh, identify, prevent, and treat those who are suffering. So that's really the crux of mainstreaming addiction health. Not only do we need to make sure that health insurers are uh, providing coverage and that, and that the, the parity legislation that was passed in 2008 under President Bush that he signed into law Um, which which allegedly guarantees that uh, substance use uh, is treated at the same level as other mental health conditions, Uh, we find that oftentimes it's not the case, Um, not only that that is properly enforced, but that our doctors are are actually prepared for what they're going to be facing. Yeah, that's
0: one of the most encouraging um, initiatives that I've heard about already, and uh, a lot more needs to be done. I mean, your primary care physician should be... (laughs) <laughs> at least as knowledgeable as a clinician in a treatment center about substance abuse. Michael King, Michael King is our guest. He is the out, uh, director of outreach for facingaddiction.org. By the way, that's where you'll find their website. So just the mother load of information there facingaddiction.org. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Montarano with you. I hope, I hope again that uh, you found us here on Saturdays. We're here at 6 o'clock. We talk about the disease of addiction. And the Road to Recovery, it's all sponsored by Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. And again, I I say this a lot, and it's worth repeating again today. Um, You know, mercifully, this thing has not affected you, and maybe even miraculously, and it would be miraculous, you don't know anybody who has been touched by the disease of uh, addiction. Um, But it's it's big. It's an enormous problem. It's impacting the country in a uh, devastating way. So... If you can learn a little bit more about about maybe get involved uh, through what you hear on the program, then, you know, we we will have done our job. Michael King is doing all that with his organization that he's director of outreach for, FacingAddiction.org. And, again, if you want more information about the whole problem, you could do uh, no better than going to their, their website, FacingAddiction.org. And, uh, and get the story from them. So, Michael, uh, in the final segment we have here now, I want to, um, of course, ask you you know, where we go from here, but I want to back up a little bit to the inaugural event for Facing Addiction because it was a, a pretty cool thing. Uh, that was the, the, the rock concert, right?
1: It was, yes. We, we uh, were officially born on October 4, uh, 2015, on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., we held uh, the Unite to Face Addiction show, and we were joined by the likes of Joe Walsh from the Eagles, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, Sheryl Crow, uh, Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls, uh, the Fray, plus a bunch of elected leaders, now the former Surgeon General of the United States. We had personal messages from President Obama, president bush um you know we it was a tremendous day and it was really built by uh uniting uh all of the different uh all these different folks you know we were sitting there on the mall and everything from uh people in recovery to families to prevention folks law enforcement leaders everybody came together in order to solve this problem so um you know, it's it was really it was an unbelievable day, and and you know we're very proud not only of the what we were able to put together that day, but also uh, you know what we've been able to do since then. I, I've mentioned a few of the tools and resources we've developed, Steve, but we also uh, you know one of the things we're most proud of that we've developed that I just want to make sure to plug here is something called the Addiction Resource Hub, and this is a a attempt to use asset mapping technology to bring all of the resources that are available to individuals and families in need of help together into one place. And if you go on our website, facingaddiction.org and go under resources, again, you'll see it there, the addiction resource hub. You can also get there directly by just going to resources.facingaddiction.org. You can go in there, you punch in your zip code and you get a list of prevention uh, tools that are available, treatment facilities in your area, recovery support that's in your area. And this is constantly growing. And if you go on and you see that there isn't a lot mapped out in your community yet, you can actually help us out by adding the resources available in your community. Uh, It goes through an approval process just to make sure that we don't get nonsense or bad actors put on there as well, because we try to safeguard that material as much as we can. But we really think that this could be a tremendous resource to help families who are just don't even know where to turn. One of our two co-founders, uh, Jim Hood, is a, a gentleman who lost his son. That's kind of what brings him to the table on this issue. And as he so eloquently says when he is telling his story, when his son got sick, and they were looking for help. There was no. He felt like there was no roadmap. What do we do? And the Addiction Resource Hub is really an attempt to start developing that roadmap, so other families don't have to suffer in much the same way the Jim's family and countless other families have too.
0: It's hard to minimize how important that effort alone is, because in spite of all of the news and you know high-profile um, attention paid to this, when. Um, when this disease visits a family, um, you know, your, one of your co-founders there, he, he was not unique. People sit in their homes completely overwhelmed and um, don't know where to turn. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's no Angie's List uh, to go to to, to, get, to get a solution for this. So the what did you call it? The, um, the Addiction Resource Hub.
1: The Addiction Resource Hub. Yeah. And like I said, you can FacingAddiction.org and go to resources, or you can go there directly on resources.facingaddiction.org, too. And, you know, uh,
0: we, you know we would be remiss if we didn't mention that At the, uh, the easiest, <laughs> the simplest way to get involved in something like this is to donate money to organizations that, you know, are dedicated to this battle as well. I mean, you guys are a nonprofit, correct?
1: That is correct. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and we are certainly always looking for individuals who are willing to provide financial support. We are one of the only, uh, organizations, uh, national organizations that does not take any funding from the pharmaceutical, alcohol, or tobacco companies. So we are completely reliant on, uh, some very generous grants from wonderful philanthropic organizations as well as individual, uh, donors. So, to the extent that folks are, are able and willing, we uh, are always very, very grateful for support uh, on the financial level as well, in order to keep developing all these tools that we are uh, that we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, well, there's loads of people in the battle, but the uh, the, the the scope uh, of uh, facing addictions efforts is impressive. It's exactly what uh, this problem needs: a, s- a centralized place that's got good information and uh, wants, wants to help people. Michael King, Director of Outreach for FacingAddiction.org. Michael, thanks so, uh, so much for your time. And, uh, boy, uh, come back anytime. To let us, you know, give us kind of a State of the Union address. We'd love to have you. Would love, would love to, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Michael. Take care, everybody. Enjoy uh, the rest of uh, your weekend. And please look for Recovery Radio each and every Saturday. Take care. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.